This is Brian Dascom with the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. The Association of Washington Cities is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that represents all 281 cities and towns before the state legislature, the state executive branch, and with regulatory agencies. We're here today discussing the very important issue of economic development, and we have AWC's Government Relations Director, Candace Bach, as well as Brandon Anderson, one of the Government Relations Analysts for AWC. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Brian. It's good to be here. My first question is uh, about the economy in Washington. You know, by some measures, Washington has the strongest economy of any state in the country. Uh, and so I'm curious about how that impacts cities. Are Washington cities reaping the benefits of all of that economic growth that we've seen? Well, Brian, I think, um, you know, it is. it does seem really true that Washington's got a very strong economy. It's really diverse. We've got, um, you know, obviously a well-known sector um, in agriculture as well as technology and manufacturing. So there's a lot of diversity in our state's economy and most of that economic activity happens in our cities. So Washington's 281 cities are really driving the state's economy. But no, it's not even. As you can imagine, um, there are places around our state that aren't seeing the same benefit of what's been a historic length of time, um, you know, 10 years of economic growth across our nation. And so cities aren't experiencing that the same way across the state. Um, And we also know that this economic expansion and strong economy isn't going to last forever. And so cities are always concerned about what's the next downturn look like and how can they be better prepared for it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So there's a question both of the distribution of the economic development we've seen in the state and then of the resiliency of it. So uh, this is affecting different cities differently and, and they've got to prepare for whatever's coming in the future. Um, Now, I'd like to back up here at the beginning just for a second and say this term economic development can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some some people imagine reeling in the big fish, landing some uh, major manufacturing or or tech sector company. Um, Others think in terms perhaps of uh, developing the economies and the businesses that are already in their community, that kind of economic gardening idea. So when we here at AWC talk about economic development, um, what kind of things do we have in mind? Yeah, I think it's a good point that economic development can be just about anything um, that's important to a community. And for some of them, for some communities, it's really about job creation and job growth. I know, Brandon, you were looking at some of the um, unemployment data around our state, and it varies quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, You know, as Candice was saying, there's there's no doubt that Washington's economy is booming. Um, The most recent reports uh, show Washington continuing to attract jobs uh, across the the state. Um, uh, We're currently set at an unemployment rate of 4.3 percent. However, that growth is uh, not exactly evenly distributed. Up and down the I-5 corridor, we've seen a massive boom in development and in jobs. Uh, King County sits at a 3.5% unemployment rate, and that's pretty impressive. However, uh, we have other communities outside the Puget Sound region uh, grappling with much higher unemployment rates and stymied economic growth. Uh, Places like Pacific and Wakayakum County with a 6.9% unemployment rate, and Ferry County, uh, one of the highest national averages at 9.6%. Um, these regions in our state need a little bit of extra support uh, to help 
uh, attract private investment so we can ensure that all of our communities uh, benefit from that growth that we're seeing here in Washington State. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. So I think it's, um, you know, it just points to the fact that for different communities, they have different needs. And so some are definitely, when they're talking about economic development, they're pursuing manufacturing, uh, living wage jobs, um, and they're building the kind of infrastructure that's needed to support that sort of development. For other communities, maybe they're um, tourism-based and they're looking at ways to attract um, outside visitors to their communities. And of course, in Washington state, because sales tax is such an important revenue stream for um, not only our cities, but our state, they're always looking for um, developing commercial businesses that are going to drive more sales tax revenue for their communities. And I would also say that now uh, it's we're in a unique situation where our housing crisis has impacted economic development, where we're seeing communities across the state, cities and towns, both experiencing uh, shortages of workforce housing that has a direct impact on their ability to attract the people that they need, whether they have the jobs or not, uh, they need the folks to fill those jobs. Absolutely. That, that's a great point, Brandon. And this, this is something I was interested in. We have um, a number of legislative priorities, and I've wondered to what extent those priorities can be intentioned. So when you think about economic development, you think about jobs being created, as you mentioned, Candace, and when jo new jobs are created, uh, you would expect there to be an increase in population. And with an increase in population, of course, you need um, even more housing. So um, as, we're, as we're trying to move the ball forward, both on economic development and on affordable housing, uh, are, those, are those goals intention? Um, I don't think they're intention at all. They're, they're, they're complementary and certainly connected. A lot of our um, AWC legislative priorities for 2019 are interrelated. You know, one of our big priorities is infrastructure funding, which is key to economic development and housing development in our communities. So they're all, um, I think, interwoven and, and related. And the more we can push the ball forward on one, the more likely it is to help with some of the other issues. Now, you mentioned infrastructure funding, and I wonder if, if uh, one of you could discuss <clears throat> briefly, what is that connection between economic development and infrastructure funding? For some, um, sewers uh, and, and water lines and, and uh, streets and that sort of thing um, don't have anything obviously to do with, with bringing new businesses and new jobs to town. So how are those connected? Yeah, Brian, I think the, the most important thing you did there was just explain what infrastructure is. We use that term generally, but it really is that basic water, sewer, um, streets, transportation, all of the, um, the things that make up the backbone of our community and um, that are necessary for really anything to happen in our cities. So uh, business needs that kind of that backbone as well. So manufacturing businesses uh, need to be able to ship products to and from uh, their sites. So they're going to need a robust transportation system. There are many um, of these businesses, manufacturing related, also need um, specific sewer and water needs. So they're going to need capacity in our systems. If cities don't have the resources to build that infrastructure, they're not going to be very attractive um, in for that private investment, um, for those uh, living wage creating jobs. So infrastructure is a really important part of what cities do generally, and especially it drives economic development activities. You know, it reminds me of a, a conversation I was having one time with 
uh, a milk manufacturer as I was in an economic development role. And we were going through the benefits of our community and they stopped us and said, you know, there's really only one thing that matters to us and that's how much milk weighs. They said, we've got to get the milk out of our processing facility. And the cheapest way to do that is with, uh, is with rail. And so if you don't have a rail spur, then, then we're simply not interested in your community. And I thought, well, you know, now, no matter what great things we have going on in our city, no matter, no matter how vibrant the downtown is, uh, this particular company has a particular need. And, um, and that need was infrastructure. And until you can meet that, you're really not part of that, uh, part of that conversation. Brian, I think that's just a really good point about um, what businesses are looking for. And we've got amazing cities in our state that are all unique. Um, But when it comes down to it, what they need uh, is infrastructure to support their communities. And um, I was kind of in the same role you were early in my career working in economic development and had a a similar conversation with the business where they also needed a rail spur. And so we're just looking for ways that we can help cities fill those needs and be attractive to the kinds of businesses and uh, investment that they're trying to bring into their communities. Absolutely. Now, we mentioned early on that um, economic development is, is at the top of the mind of our city leaders. And uh, we know that those city leaders are, are in, very engaged in their communities. They're enthusiastic and they're really boosters for their towns. They want to create economic development. Um, I've also heard that uh, Washington cities and towns have limited tools with which to encourage economic development. And so I wonder if, if either of you could talk about um, the tools that we have in, here in Washington and how those differ from other states. And so I know we're often in competition with other states to land particular projects. And, and how, how are those tools affecting the, um, the efforts of local leaders? Yeah, that is a good point. Washington is really limited in the kind of economic development tools that individual cities can offer. I think probably many of um, the listeners in our audience might have watched through the news media the coverage about Amazon looking for other sites around the country and the fact that a number of other cities around in other states were offering lots of incentives, tax breaks, all kinds of different incentives. Washington State doesn't allow for that same kind of um, toolbox for cities. We're not able to offer those sort of individualized um, incentives here in our state. And so some may argue that that puts us at a disadvantage. We don't have those kinds of tools. Um, So we have to make the most of what we do have. And, you know, I know Brandon's looked at some of the, the tools in other states and, you know, they don't always have this, the intended effect. Um, so they're not necessarily a magic bullet. Yeah, and I would say, you know, Washington is one of the most restrictive in the nation when it comes to uh, tools available for economic development. Uh, there are also potential legal issues regarding the loaning of gifting of public funds, meaning a city and town cannot directly loan or give money to private businesses for economic development. And is that specific to Washington? It, it's specific to Washington. It's it's in our state constitution, and it really limits our our city's ability to to um, incentivize businesses. Now, let me ask Brandon, what what are we talking about here? So, if um, if a particular city in another state wants to offer a financial incentive, they want to say, if you'll move to our community, um, we'll we'll we can cut you a check. Is that something that can be done in other states? But uh, we're cities are unable to do here in Washington? Absolutely. As, as Candace mentioned with the situation with Amazon, the second headquarters, uh, many cities around the nation offered significant tax breaks for uh, Amazon to locate their headquarters. Uh, Washington cities are 
limited and cannot offer those types of incentives uh, for businesses locating uh, in their jurisdictions. There are other, other tools that we, we can use, and uh, we are going to be introducing legislation this session to, to uh, incentivize uh, economic development. And those tools that you're talking about in the legislation that AWC would introduce, is that um, for the, the tool that's known as value capture financing? It absolutely is. Um, so value capture financing is a unique tool uh, that many uh, states across the nation use to incentivize economic development. Um, it also is a tool for us to be able to recover the public costs associated with uh, uh, those investments. So the way it works is value capturing. Uh, value capture happens when a city borrows money and makes improvements uh, on infrastructure using that borrowed money, and, and then uses the extra tax revenue generated by the improvements to pay off the loan. And as the region is developed, uh, the new growth pays for itself by the increases in tax revenue. Again, here in Washington, we are limited and restricted in how we can use this tool. Uh, however, we've come up with an innovative way uh, to use value capture financing despite our limitations. Yeah, I think um, this is a really key part of our 2019 legislative strategy, and we've been working with um, some legislators on um, putting something like this together and introducing it. We've done this before in our state, but this kind of sales tax value capture previously, um, the programs were known as LIFT and LERF, um, local infrastructure financing tools and uh, local revitalization Finance. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. I always forget the LERF um, acronym, what that stands for. So it's not unheard of, but those programs have been closed uh, for a while. They did have um, some tremendous impacts, though, in creating jobs and new businesses where they were used. So again, we're working with legislators to introduce a bill this session that would open up that opportunity again to do this kind of value capture financing using the state sales tax um, as a credit towards the infrastructure investments that cities are making to um, enhance development opportunities. I see. Okay. Um, now, Candace, I wonder if you can help me understand this better. Uh, so imagine that there's a city in Washington that has a couple hundred acres of land that's zoned industrial, and they're, um, understandably their their intent is to is to fill that, that acreage out with uh, some some uh, either manufacturing or, or cold storage and distribution, whatever it is, whatever their uh, kind of target markets are that they're going for. Um, and they're in need of infrastructure on those couple hundred acres. How would this tool help them? Can you give an example, a hypothetical example of how they might use that? Sure. Well, under the proposal that we're working on, um, a jurisdiction would have to apply to the state. So they'd have to put together a strong case about why the development that they're looking to support with new infrastructure is going to generate uh, new tax revenue for both the local uh, jurisdiction and the state and new jobs. So it's um, it's going to be a competitive process. Okay. So, sorry, a clarification. So do they identify the need for infrastructure first or they do they first identify a potential lead, a potential company that might move into the space? More they're going to identify an area where there's okay. that potential where they've got um, a developer perhaps perhaps already lined up or business already lined up. And but for the lack of infrastructure, this is something that would be able to move forward. And then with that development coming in, they would demonstrate that the new 
tax revenue generated through property tax and sales tax would make up the difference. Basically, as, as Brandon said, growth paying for growth would cover the difference of needing the investment in the infrastructure. I see. So who is initially funding the infrastructure? Brandon mentioned borrowed money. Is that um, that it gives the municipality the ability to um, to issue debt for that infrastructure? The, the city would be in, uh, issuing debt or somehow financing the infrastructure, but they would have this sales tax credit coming back from the state through the value capture program that would help them offset the cost of funding that infrastructure, whether they're financing it through bonds or um, however they're able to finance it. I see. And, and currently, if a municipality wanted to issue debt to develop infrastructure, say a, a road that could uh, that was sufficient, uh, sufficiently thick to support 18-wheelers, uh, if they wanted to develop that kind of infrastructure, they are unable to issue debt to do so? No, they could issue debt to do it, but they may not have a revenue source sufficient to pay back that debt. So they really don't have the financial wherewithal to make that investment. So through this value capture program with the state contributing to that infrastructure financing, they've got more of a revenue source that they can um, rely upon to pay back that debt. Well, uh, Candace and Brandon, those that makes a lot of sense to me that we would, the state would want to give cities um, as many tools as possible to drive the economy. Because after all, doesn't the state's economy depend on the economy of cities in, in Washington? It really does. I, again, I, I mentioned earlier that the cities of our state are driving uh, the economy. They're the economic engines. All of this development, um, all of this this business is primarily happening in cities. So it, you would think that it makes the most sense for state the state to provide us these kind of tools and help with this sort of financing. But as always, we know the state has a lot of priorities that they're looking at, um, and they've got a challenging budget situation facing them as they go into this 2019 session. And there are many legislators who will look at this as more of a cost to the state than as really something that's revenue neutral, that is, um, is growth paying for growth, and that this kind of development is generating revenue that more than exceeds what the state is um, contributing to a project. So it's a, an important talking point for us that this is um, not a cost to the state, that if they're looking at it in a from a long-term perspective, they're going to more than make back this investment. Uh, not only could this potentially be revenue neutral for the state, uh, but this is a really great tool for the legislature to ensure this, that this economic growth that is happening in the Puget Sound region is shared uh, across all of our communities in all of our cities and towns throughout Washington. I can see that this makes a lot of sense, and uh, I know that AWC is going to be pushing hard on behalf of our members um, to get this in front of the legislature. Uh, but what can our members be doing to push this ahead? Yeah, Brian, that's a great point. Um, anytime we're pushing something like this, it's a complicated topic. Um, there's a lot to consider there, and potentially the legislators are looking at this as a cost. So we're going to need all the support we can get. So cities, talking to your local legislators about the importance of having these sort of tools and how infrastructure really does drive economic development in our communities is an important thing, asking them to support the legislation that we're working on. And um, they can always find out more information about this on AWC's website. We've got a fact sheet on our value capture priority, and that'll be um, really helpful to them when they're talking to their legislators. Great. And, and Candace, I know that um, we'll, we'll often encourage our members to use stories with, the with their legislators. And so if somebody has a story where 
we had a great fit for a business, but we were lacking this piece of infrastructure. And if this tool were in place, then we were confident we could have uh, had a much better chance with that, uh, with that potential um, business. I'm guessing that's the kind of story that we would want them to get in front of their legislators. Absolutely. Tell that story to your legislators. Tell that story to your community members as well, that um, there's a way that they can help get involved too. And I would also say, tell that story to us. We want to be able to share that with legislators as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Candace, and thank you, Brandon, for um, joining us here on the City Voice podcast and talking about economic development. At AWC, our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. This includes the AWC Employee Benefit Trust, AWC Risk Management Service Agency, AWC Workers' Comp Retro Program, AWC Drug and Alcohol Consortium, GIS Consortium, and JobNet. Visit wascities.org to plug in.